All right, uh, we are starting a new book, a new series, and it will probably take us to the end of the year easily. So uh, just buckle in. If you get a chance sometime, uh, read, try to read ahead so you know where we're going and what we're talking about. Um, we're going to be in a little book called Colossians, okay? Uh, now, a lot of times when people, when we talk about the Bible, people, people look at the Bible as like this ancient book that doesn't have implications for today. But there's probably, uh, often we don't understand that often the culture of their day and the culture of our day are not that dissimilar. So when we, when we talk about this book, um, we see a lot of contemporary issues um, that it deals with. For instance, um, one of the things he's going to deal with is this idea of reason, about this, this idea of science, this idea of, of pursuing those kinds of things. He's going to talk about a one-world religion, um, which is something where we, we see our, our culture trying to head toward. Um, it talks about rebellion against authority. Um, he's going to talk about the idea that, that there's... There, is, there are no absolutes, that truth is relative. Um, Colossians is a book that's going to talk about relationships. It's going to talk about the idea of pragmatism, which in our culture is, hey, if it works, it's okay. Um, it's going to talk about, uh, Paul in, in, in this book talks about this idea of tradition and the role of tradition as far as how it's seen in being equal to the Bible. So there's a lot of contemporary issues that we're going we're gonna to run into um, as, we, as we get into it. So you've got to bear with me, but for the next 10 minutes or so, I'm going to talk about a lot of history. <laughs> I'm going to explain to you the culture in which this book is written. And then we're going to get into the practical thing, and we're going to look at the first eight verses and, and learn some things. So with that in mind, um, here we go. This is a prison epistle. Okay. Now, <laughs> what that means is, as a prison epistle, what that means is that Paul wrote it while he was in prison. And you have to understand that prison for Paul is not like prison today. Okay? It's, it, it was different. Prison then was basically, if you want to think about it this way, Paul was a Roman citizen. So it was more along the lines of house arrest. Um, he was probably chained to a Roman guard or had a Roman guard next to him all the time. But he had freedom to move within a house. So he could write, he could have visitors, but his, his background was very, very limited in what he could do. So there are a number of, of books that are written that are known as the prison epistles. The one we're looking at this morning is Colossians and is one of them. Now, there are two places that Paul wrote when he wrote to them he had never visited. One is Rome. When he wrote the book of Romans, he had not visited Rome at the time. The other is Colossae. Um, which the book of Colossians is written to the Christians at a little town called Colossae. Um, now let me show you that little town. Guys, throw up that. that oh, no, no, no. Go to, the, go to the map thing, guys. Okay. Um, this is Paul's second missionary journey. And if you see what happens is um, when, he, when he takes this journey, this is Ephesus. So the book of Ephesians is written to the Christians here. Now if you'll notice, here's Colossae. It's about 100 miles away. Paul had never been here, but yet there was a church here. And the reason there was a church here is because there's a guy by the name of Epaphras that came on one of Paul's journeys and heard the gospel at Ephesus. He became a Christian. When he became a Christian, he goes back to Colossae, which is his hometown, and he tells other people about Christ, and a church starts. 
And when that church starts, some problems in it. Now, this church at Colossae, it used to be there was a main trade route that ran through Colossae. But what happened is when the Romans came in later on, they changed the road. So uh, some of you remember this. If, if you want, oh, no, I lost my little thing. Um, does it still work? Yeah, okay. Um, when you went to, did it roll off somewhere? Okay, uh, there's more in my office. Anyway, uh, remember Lamar's? Remember how if you went north on Lamar's, you had to go through Lamar's? Remember that? And then they put the road around Lamar's, and now you don't go through Lamar's? Well, you know, that does a lot if your business was on the main drag in Lamar's. No different in this time. Colossi was on the main drag. And when the Romans moved the road over, then Colossi kind of took a back seat. And so this Laodicea, which you t- read about in the book of Revelation, um, there was a church here too, but this church uh, was kind of on the main drag. So it changed a little bit the dynamics of the town. So by the time Paul writes this, Colossae had become a smaller kind of city, become a much smaller place. It was a combination of Jews and Gentiles. That's very important. Um, about 200 years before Christ, the Jews fled. They were fleeing persecution. A bunch of them went to Colossae, and they had started there. So the congregation is about half Jew, half Gentile. Um, and that becomes very, very important um, in the story. Um, they were known for their wool. Uh, it was an important center for, for making wool. Um, and what had happened was, again, again, Epaphras gets saved, comes here, starts a church, people start growing, and there became a problem. And it, it, it hadn't taken off yet, but in the Bible, in theology, we call it uh, the Colossian heresy, is what it's known as, okay? Um, and I'll explain it all in a minute, but here's what happened. It started taking root in the church at Colossae. It had not taken off yet. It was just starting, the seeds that were starting. So here's what Epaphras does. Epaphras travels to where Paul's in prison in Rome to talk to him about what's going on in the church. And then Paul sends a letter back. He'd never been there. Paul sends a letter back addressing some of the issues. Now here's the kicker, okay? Because this will give you an idea of the commitment of Epaphras to these people. That was a 1,000 to 1,300-mile journey. In that day. So in other words, he's so concerned about this group of believers that he travels a thousand plus miles to go up to talk to Paul and say, hey, look, I got a group of believers down there, and this is what's starting to happen, and and can you help us? Um, And Paul, who is burdened for them, writes this letter all the way back, and in this letter, he addresses some of the stuff. Okay? Um, Now, Let's talk about the Colossian heresy because it's really important that we understand what it was. What had happened is there were a bunch of of Gentiles that had come in that had gotten saved, become Christians. There were a bunch of Jews that had come in, and they had become Christians. And each of them basically said, salvation alone is not enough. In other words, they had gotten saved, and it was all excited. They were all excited, and then it's like, you mean that's all there is? There's got to be more. And so what they did was they started grabbing the Gentiles, grabbed some of their Gentile stuff, and started saying, hey, this is what you got to do. And the Jews started grabbing some of their Jewish stuff, and they said, this is what you got to do. And it was starting to take seed in the church, 
and people were starting to take the gospel and add, 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 add. Okay? So Paul writes addressing that. Now here's what the, here's what the Gentiles brought into it. The Gentiles started this idea of reasoning, and they said, you know, we don't understand how God, who is holy, can be man, matter, that is evil. So they said, we don't see how those two can go together. So they came up with this crazy thing that basically said there's God, and God had these little, like, it's called emanations, emanations from God. And one of the emanations was eventually this person called Jesus. And one of the emanations that came all the way, weaving its way down, is this thing called matter. And they said, we believe that the Jesus side of it was good, but the matter side of it was evil. So what they did was, they said, these two are incompatible. So what they started teaching was the idea that Jesus was not God, he was an emanation from God. And Jesus was not man because matter, physical stuff, is evil. So in their reasoning, they ended up denying the deity of Jesus Christ and the humanity of Jesus Christ. So Paul has to address that. Now, the Jews, on the other hand, what they brought into this mix was here's what they said. You know, it's not enough to just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's got to be more. So, we think you need to be circumcised. If you're a true believer, you're going to be circumcised. And if you're a true believer, you're going to follow the holy days. You're going you're to worship on the Sabbath. You're going to follow the feast. You're going to follow the festivals. You're going to take all of this stuff and you're going to add it in to this thing we call salvation. And he said, that's what we, that's what we have. So Paul now is hearing all of this from Epaphras. And he's got to go, wow, wow, what do I do? How do I handle this? So Paul writes this book to these people. Okay? So, everybody follow me so far? Good. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. Here's what it says. And actually, Timothy helps him write it. Here's what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So, he and Timothy are kind of writing this together. Um, they're involved in this thing together um, as they address it. Uh, we know Paul visited Timothy. We don't know if they were actually together at this, but somehow they got together to, to send this to them because... Honestly, Epaphras had probably been under the ministry of Timothy and Paul when he had gotten saved. And here's what he says. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, um, in the beginning, whenever Paul writes a letter, there's an introduction. This is the second shortest introduction in the New Testament. Um, uh, The longest is to the book in, in Romans, and the shortest one, is to Thessalonians, I think, First Thessalonians. So here's what he says. Um, notice what he says. Paul, an apostle by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people. And notice what he focuses on. Grace and peace. Grace is what they had experienced. They had experienced the grace of God. Peace is what they were to do one towards another. 
And notice what he goes on to say. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul said, guys, look, one thing I want you to know for is we're, we're constantly praying for you. Every time we hear about you, because he goes on, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. He starts out by saying this. Look, you need to know, guys, we're always praying for you anytime we hear about you. And when we hear of your faith and the love you have for God's people, he says, look, you know, it's phenomenal what you have. And he said, and every time we hear about it, we get excited. And notice what he goes on to say. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come unto you. Notice what you see here, because some of you have this on your wall and you never thought about this. Faith, hope, love. You see it in Corinthians. Corinthians says, now abideth faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. You know what you're going to find this morning? The greatest of these is love, but you know where it's all sourced? In hope. We talked about this in Sunday school, by the way. In the hope of the resurrection, the confidence of the resurrection. But notice what he goes on to say. He says, the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that's come to you. Notice what he says. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it had been among you since the day you heard it and understood God's great. He said, look, you need to understand this. The gospel, it's taken off. It's growing. And it's growing in the same way that it did with you guys. And you guys started from who? Epaphras. This guy. And now what's happened? You started to add all this other stuff to it. And notice what he goes on to say. He says, you have learned it from Epaphras. And now here, here he's going to kind of punch it a little bit. Our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who told us of your love in the Spirit. He kind of comes back to this idea and he says, look, guys, you need to understand this. What you have right now, you got from Epaphras. So here's the question in the back of their minds. So why are you listening to all these other voices? Why are you adding all this other stuff? The gospel is taking root in your life. It's taking off. It's taking off all over the world. You've heard it from Epaphras, and yet you're, and, and he wanted to make sure they, didn't under, they understood that he, Epaphras didn't go up there griping and complaining about the church. He says, who also told us of your love and the Spirit. He said, one of the things Epaphras told us is you guys love each other like crazy. But you're going to see him hammer this over and over and over and over again. He's going to come back to this idea that Christ alone. And key verse in this book is found in chapter 3, verse 11, which is, is uh, Christ, in, or not Christ in you, the hope of glory, that, um, but um, uh, Christ is all in all. Uh, Christ is all and in all, is the way it says. He's going to deal with this Colossian thing too. But ultimately, he's going to come back to the idea of, look, put your, your faith and trust is in Christ. That's enough. That's where your confidence is. That's where your hope is. And that's where you need to source it. So um, let's talk about a couple of takeaways for us and, and try to apply some stuff. First thing, one of the things you see about Paul in this passage is he's a person of incredible prayer. Now look, don't minimize the value and significance of prayer. 
That's not just that's not a gossip list that we send out every week. That's not a <coughs> newsletter for you to know what's going on. That's a letter for you to pray about. Let me make a suggestion. Some of you are like social network people and you do Facebook and you like live off Facebook or you always check in Facebook or whatever else. You want to know where one of the greatest sources of my prayer list is? Facebook. Because as I read it, I pray for those situations. I'm not saying if you don't have a Facebook account, don't worry about it. Don't go out and get one, all right? If that's your thing, that's your thing. But for me, because we have friends all over the country, that's the way we keep track of them. That's the way our family knows what's going on in our world. But, you know, it, it happened to me Friday. And, you know, you ever been in one of those situations where you're like, you shoot yourself, you want to shoot yourself afterwards because you didn't think of it sooner? Um, but, you know, we've been praying for Sam, uh, for Sam Vaught. You know, I was, uh, um, I, I ran over to grab some chips um, for going over to Doug and Terry's. And uh, uh, I, was, I was in line, and I see Justin there, who is um, Sam's dad. And so, you know, he had come back from Omaha. First time he got out of the hospital, came back, going to spend some time with the kids. He had a whole basket i mean he didn't have like a grocery thing he had a little basket full of stuff and i was in one line he was in another line so paid for my stuff went over and said hey look you know i just want you to know we're praying for you it was fascinating to me he goes yeah i know i said what do you mean he goes well he said i work with um jason at ups and he told me you that i that we're on your prayer list and you guys have been praying for us and i said well we are and I said, you know, and I said, I read the thing this morning, and I saw, you know, that this had happened and this had happened. So we stood there and talked and all that kind of thing. And, and I said, you know, I just want you to know we're praying for you, and, you know, our hearts are with you. And, and then I left. And I get, like, I got to the corner where you make the turn um, on the back part of the mall, and I thought, why didn't I buy his groceries? You know, it was one of those things where it's like, God, you should have told me earlier. And maybe God was but I didn't hear it, but it's one thing where I walked away, and I thought, you know, it could have been a blessing, because, you know, I know expenses are tight and all of that kind of stuff, but it's one of those deals where, you know, it's like, you know what, you know, I wanted him to know that we're praying for him, and it was interesting to me and encouraging to him. He goes, I know. He said, I know you are, you know, Um, and so, you know, I just want to challenge you to take this prayer thing seriously. Some of you have people in your family that you're burdened for, but you know what? You've kind of given up praying for them, you just kind of forgotten it. Put them back on the list. Pray for them every day. Paul said, you know what? Look, guys, I've never been to your church. I've never been to your city. But you know what? I pray for you every time I hear what's going on down there. And I'm hearing some really great things. But I'm praying for you. We are praying for you up here. We're praying for you because you know what? It's not like we've got a lot of places to go or things to do. We're kind of stuck up here. But one thing we can do up here is we can write letters and we can pray. And that's what we're going to do. Second thing I think I see is this. Notice the last part of this verse. Who told us of your love in the Spirit. We don't know anything about the size of the church at Colossae. But you know one thing we do know? They loved and cared for one another. They loved and cared for one another. Paul said, you know what? I've never been to your church, but here's one thing I know about you. You guys love and care for each other. And that is incredible, that you take care of one another that way. And Paul said, look, 
That's encouraging to me. That's what Epaphras, when Epaphras came back, you know what Epaphras said right off the bat? They're praying for one another. You know, they love each other down there like crazy. We talk about building. We talk about doing stuff. We talk about, I mean, you know, you know for those of you who are sitting in the front, I mean, we got, we got people sitting at tables back there. You know, and people go, you know, aren't you excited because we're building? No. It's going to tell you. No. Because you know what? I'm not about numbers. And the day we start measuring the church by how many people come here, we're in trouble. I don't want to tell my friends, oh, yeah, you know, our church is X and X. You know what I want to tell my friends? I got a bunch of people that love each other like crazy. You know what I tell my pastor friends? My biggest frustration sometimes is getting out of this building on Sunday morning. There are times, I literally, and those of you who hang around know this, there are times I've said, look, i got to go home. Last one out, lock the door. Turn out the lights. Why? Because one of the things that I love is that you like being together. You like fellowshipping. You like encouraging one another. That's one of the ways we measure the health of a church. Numbers, you know, I understand. Numbers represent people, which represent lives, which represent, which represent ministry. I get all of that. But you know what? I know a lot of churches, and I've been in a lot of churches, where there are a lot of people, and they just don't like each other. And when the service is over, the idea is I've punched in my time clock. How fast can I get out of here? I'm not interested in that. If I was interested in that, I'd go pastor some church in a city, honestly. I want a church where people love each other and care about each other and are invested in each other. That's why we're working really hard to get our directory done so you can put faces with names and that's why that's important to you. Not because we want everybody to know all your person. It's because we don't want people, I don't want to hear what I heard this week. Oh, we go to church with you, but you sit in the front and we sit in the back and we don't know who you are. You know what thrills me, though, as a pastor? Not when I see it. I mean, you know, I'm excited. You know, I get excited. You know, it's full. Great. But you know what really excites me? You know what really excites me as a pastor? When I hear something like, yeah, you know, um, we don't have kids, but we know there are kids in the church who play ball, so we go to their games. Or, you know what, we had so-and-so over this week. Or, you know what, we had a bunch of us that went fishing together for a week. We, we, we decided to go camping, and we, so-and-so was going to go too, so we put our campers together, and we got to camp together. We had so-and-so over to our house and got to know them. I get excited then. Those are the things that make it exciting for me. And you've got to understand, you got to understand, when Paul talks about this church class, one of the things that he says is, look, I know you guys love each other like crazy down there. We want that to be the mark of who we are as well. We want to be able to go through this week and carry some of the burden that Laura has to carry. It's like I share with her. Look, some of this you're going to have to carry on your own. We can't do anything for you. But there's other stuff we can carry. So let us carry it. That's what church is all about. Carrying one another's burdens when we can carry it. Some of this stuff, they're your own burdens. You need to just carry it. That's what the Bible says. Galatians is really clear about that.
bear your own burdens. But some of it, the stuff that's, that's out of the norm, the stuff that's extraordinary, you bear one another's burdens. You come alongside and carry each other's burdens. That's what a church does. And we have done that very, very well for years. And we want to continue to do that and make that a part of who we are. The last thing that I, that, that I see in this thing is this idea of not forgetting your roots. He talks about this at the end. He says, look, you've learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who told us of your love and spirit. When you break this whole thing down up here, here's what you find. He talks about faith and love and hope. But notice what he says. Your hope or your confidence is where? It's really important. Um, where is it up there? Uh, stored up for you. Where? I'm a little, I lost it. Faith in Christ and love, verse 5, the love that springs up from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Notice what he said. My hope and my confidence is where? In heaven. Okay? When you break this down, here's the way it works. At the root of it is hope. The plant is faith. The fruit is love. Paul, when he talks about it, says the most important is love. But what he's really saying is this. The most important of lo- is love because that's the fruit which shows that you have faith, which shows that it's rooted in hope. And here's what I see. I see us, if we're not careful, we put our hope in the wrong things. We put our confidence in the wrong stuff. It's not in heaven. It's in stuff. The number of people that I know. They put their confidence in, they get a bad report from the doctor, who's their confidence in? Medicine and doctors. I'm not knocking medicine and doctors. Use them. Get diagnosed with something bad tomorrow, I'm going. I'm going to get the best doctors and the best medicine. But that's not my hope. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in heaven. My confidence is that whatever happens, God is in control. That's my confidence. That's my hope. I can't tell you the number of people. You know what they put their confidence in? Their IRA, their retirement, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, you know what? I'll be okay as I get older because <clears throat> I got a really nice pension or IRA or, or, or my financial guy's got it all set up for me. You know what I've watched time and time and time and time again? That person makes all those plans and their health goes south. They don't get to spend any of it or do any of it. Because all their confidence was there. I watch people, I'm going to get picky now, I watch people, they put their confidence in their kids. Well, I've trained them all right, so they're going to go do the right things. I mean, broken-hearted parents I deal with because they forgot to understand their kid's not a, a computer that you just program. Their kid is a person with a free choice and a free will, who at some point is either going to embrace what mom and dad have taught them or turn their back on it, and you can pray for them and do everything you can, but the bottom line is it is their choice. And when God created a perfect world and did everything right, placed Adam in it with free choice, Adam went, sorry, but no thanks. God understands what it is to be a brokenhearted parent, but I've watched parents who... You know, they, they, they hang on to, they misinterpret verses like train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old and not apart from him. They go, okay, we did everything right and now kids should be this way. It's not what the verse says. It's not what the verse means. 
But you know what I watch them do? They bail on their faith and their Christianity and everything else because their hope was placed in something else. And I can't stress to you the importance of us stepping back and understanding what Paul said. Your faith and hope is in heaven, in Christ, in a resurrected Savior. Period. From that, we'll develop an incredible faith which will produce love. And I have been in situations where people do not have the hope and confidence of heaven. And let me tell you something. The most difficult thing that I do is when I have to step into those situations and talk to those families. The most difficult thing to deal with are people who have no hope. And there are some of you this morning that here's what's happened. You've kind of lost focus. And you're hoping in something else. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We are literally, the scripture, you know what the scripture idea is? We are tenting. That's literally, the, the, the Greek translation of it is we are tenting here. Not camping, because I know how some of you camp. You are tenters, okay? That means you don't go to the campground with a big screen TV and satellite and, 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 and a dishwasher and a stove. You go there with a little tent and you make a fire and you live off the land. And you don't sit back every night and go, hey, baby, we've made it. Let's just stay here for all of eternity. You go, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. But I guarantee you, wherever you tented this year, and some of you tent, God bless you. Don't ask me to go. But some of you have tented, and you're going, oh, no, PJ, you don't understand. It was so wonderful, and it was so beautiful, and we had so much fun, and it was so great. Talk to me about tenting in that place in January or February. Because I love those Alaskan shows, and I see what it's like, and some of them even bail in the winter because they're like, whoa, it's too bad up here for us. You know? And there's that few that go, you know, we love this. And I'm like, you know, i got to watch you people because you're just fascinating to me. You know, because I'm thinking, I could never do that. But, you, you know, again, we're Americans, so what happens? We watch it and we go, I think I could do that. <laughs> and die within 24 hours. <clears throat> you know, but, but we got to remember, we're just passing through here, folks. Our confidence is sourced in heaven. It's not sourced here. And one of the things that he talks about here is that hope and that confidence that that's what we have. And I, and I beg you to get back to that. I beg you to get back to the idea of, look, we are here for such a short time. And even the difficulties and even the hardships that we go through are but a small part of a big picture of eternity. Some of you have lost hope. You've had situations or circumstances or things like that. You've just given up. Source your hope in Christ that God's got something bigger at work because He does. And I want to encourage you this morning to make sure your hope and your confidence is in Christ. So, um, he talks about this idea 
of getting back to your roots. And that's what some of you need to do. He reminds them, look, you've gotten all sidetracked. Go back to the, go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Some of you need to stop and look at where you are compared to where you were. And you have forgotten how far God has taken you. And you have forgotten what God has done. Some people like me step back and get to see that every day and get excited about that. But some of you get so bent up because it's like, well, I'm not far enough. Paul said, look, go back to the beginning. Don't forget, Epaphras, you started this thing with Epaphras. Look at what God's doing, guys. Look at the love that you have. Don't get hung up on all the side stuff that's coming. And I'll encourage some of you this morning. Look at what God's been doing. Look, and you go, well, you know, I've lost perspective of it. Then get somebody to tell you what they see. Get somebody to tell you the change in stuff that they've seen in your life. Get somebody, you know, we're going to talk in a couple of months about the journey to get to where we are today as a church. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at the beginning and we're going to remember. And there's some good things we want to remember and there's some bad things we don't want to remember. And we're going to focus on what? The good things. Go back. Think about all of the great things you've watched God do. Because you... And I are truly blessed. And believe it or not, we have all come a very long way. And yes, we have a lot of journey ahead of us, but let's not forget what God has done. And let's not forget our destiny is sourced in heaven, not here. So I close with this. Paul encourages the people at Colossae to remember their roots to focus on their faith and love, which is sourced in hope, and ultimately to ignore the false teaching that was starting to take seed. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we got to remember that this place is not home. We've got to remember, Lord, that this is temporary. So God, I ask that you would work in our hearts and lives as only you can. Lord, use us. Lord, may we spend time with you this week really talking to you, pouring our hearts out. Lord, may we take a step back and look at all you have done in our lives and all you are doing. And Lord, as we go forward, may we really make sure that our hope is sourced in you and you alone. And that, Lord, you are in charge and Lord, that nothing that happens in our lives this week is going to take you by surprise. So use us, and we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise since we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together, and we're going to sing the second verse. Uh,